Sustainability Unwrapped, a conversational podcast about responsibility, ethics, inequalities, climate change, and other challenges of our times, where science needs practice to think about our world and how to make our society more sustainable one podcast at a time. Welcome our listeners to a new season of the podcast Sustainability Unwrapped. By the microphone is Anna from Hankin School of Economics, and our key theme for this podcast season is responsible organizing, and how responsible organizing can support building a more sustainable future. In each episode, we invite experts to discuss topics such as intersectional inequalities, cross-collaboration for responsibility, and much, much more. Today, we will discuss responsible organizing as being something beyond an intra-organizational matter and talk more about the potential of cross-sector collaboration. I have Lisa Tempera with me in the studio with whom we will dive into this topic and bring more practical examples. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Anna. Lisa, you are a postdoctoral researcher at Hamkin. Could you please tell us a bit more about the research you do and the relation to the topic of cross-sector collaboration? Yes, uh, so my research is about cross-sector collaboration or actually coalitions in the context of uh, corporate responsibility. And even more specifically, it's about how these cross-sector coalitions form and how these coalitions can lobby for their interests. So the key words research-wise would be corporate responsibility, cross-sector coalitions, and political action. Uh, and I have to say that this is a very specific area uh, in the broader phenomenon of cross-sector collaborations and overall in business NGO interactions. And at least in fin Finnish context, it's quite rare that businesses and NGOs would join forces in order to affect regulation which makes it a really interesting topic for research. I do agree. It's absolutely interesting topic, and I'm so happy we can bring it to the podcast as well. Uh, you mentioned it is a very specific area uh, already in the broader phenomenon, but do you study it from some particular angle or just at the broader scale? Well, yes, in, in terms of, as I mentioned, these are uh, cross-sector collaborations in the context of corporate responsibility and the... Um, object that I have studied as, as a object of this coalition action is human rights. So basically the question is how human rights are taken into account in corporations and in their supply chains. Uh, and this is called human rights due diligence or HRDD. And HRDD is based on so-called United Nations guiding principles on businesses and human rights, which are a separate set of principles from the sustainable development goals. Uh, and there is actually a bit of a discrepancy between the UNGPs and SDGs in the sense that UNGPs are more focused in, uh, you know, uh, do no harm principle, whereas SDGs are more about voluntarily doing good. And uh, I want to point out also as this podcast series has focused a bit on, at least uh, as I understand, on SDGs, my point of view is a bit different. So there is a, a, actually a SDG number 17 that concerns global partnerships. And that goal is about such targets as, you know, global development assistance and financing developing nations. And public-private partnerships are mentioned there, mostly concerning infrastructure projects. But in any case, uh, what I will be talking about in, in this podcast uh, 
it has no straightforward connection with the SDGs, just as a qualification. That's a really interesting perspective. Let's dive into that further. Well, I want to ask from your experience and research findings, uh, well, why is cross-sector collaboration important? And perhaps for whom at the first place? Does it only and always refer to collaboration between companies and organizations from other sector, or it can be in any other context? Um, it's a quite broad question. Well, one one of the reasons why cross-sector collaborations have been advocated is that, you know, if problems are so big that no one sector can take care of it, then it makes sense to find find solutions with other, other actors, other sectors. And this can be public sector, businesses and NGOs. Of course, you know, as these actors have different resources, so they can look for complementaries, uh, complementarities with the, one another. However, it's also good to keep in mind that collaboration between different actors is not necessarily a solution. You know, there can be, for example, co-optation of agendas, which means kind of like hijacking the collaboration vote for one sector. Uh, the collaboration might distract from other solutions, for example, regulatory development and so forth. And I guess the worst case would be that the collaboration ends up worsening actually the situation. But of course, this depends on the context. And collaboration can also be a risk for uh, organizations that takes part in it. Uh, for, for example, if an NGO collaborates with businesses, uh, some people might question whether they have sacrificed their integrity as NGOs by collaborating with, with some corporations. And the other way around, businesses might be criticized if they cannot deliver on what they have promised through that collaboration. But in any case, different, even though I sound a bit negative here, uh, different kinds of collaborations might be a solution for particular issues. And I think the most interesting phenomena for me is when these collaborations concern uh, political is issues as they explicitly uh, pertain to, for example, how businesses should be regulated. And cross-sector collaborations might be one way of pushing such regulation forward. Very interesting point you have said previously about NGOs sacrificing their initial, like a non-profit uh, idea. Like we did mention that in the previous podcast episodes about NGOs becoming more alike to social enterprises or even becoming business-like. So this tendency uh, seem, seems to come. So very interesting comment in that sense. Uh, well. I'd like to wear a bit of a business hat here, so maybe let's talk about the business more. And I have a few questions related to that. How difficult is to get companies on board for cross-sector collaboration? What makes it interesting for companies? And uh, well, what companies can achieve through cross-sector collaboration? Um, well, maybe if I may may go back to your first question or, yes. or your not what you noted about these NGOs. I think that's uh, that's about you know, having this kind of a critical distance and mm -hmm. having ability to keep that. And, and I have to say that, for example, as what I have examined, they have been able to do that. So in that mm -hmm. sense, I'm, I'm not so worried that at least about the... That they will lose completely their yeah, identity. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think they are very careful in that. But that, that is a risk that has to be considered. But going to, to your uh, business hat question, um, it's it's uh, actually a very, very good one, especially in this context. So... 
if we take this kind of a resource-based lens, uh, then the reason why these uh, corporations take part in co collaborative action might be that they lack certain expertise or, or certain resources and they want to join forces with the other organizations that have these resources. Or there might, there might be a question of, for example, reputation. They could try to build up their reputation with these kinds of uh, collaborations. But then again, if we go to this political context, um, you know, one way of thinking that why a corporation would join a, a collaboration that pushes for more regulation, because that usually that means costs for that, uh, for that corporations. And for example, in Finland, individual corporations rarely take political action by themselves, as most often there are, you know, these big industry associations are the ones that represent businesses in politics. So often there might be little reason to engage in politics individually. Mm -hmm. Could you bring perhaps a brief example of when and how cross-sector collaboration comes into the picture? So we get a bit of a practical understanding here. Yeah, may, well, maybe the con concrete to concretize a bit this this uh, yeah. uh, phenomenon. For example, if you take a, a corporation um, that is taken care of, for example, how, how they you know treat their human rights impacts in their supply chain. So for example, they do actively audits and, and try to make sure that they, there wouldn't be any negative you know impacts on human rights in their supply chains. Um, this means that they're using resources and include costs for taking that kind of um, action. Now, if there would be a possibility to make their competitors to do the actual same, you know, take care of their human rights, then it might make sense to actually engage in this kind of a political action uh, through which they could, so to speak, kind of like a level up the, the field to take care of the human rights as a whole. Uh, so, you know, you could think this as alignment of their corporate responsibility and, and their political uh, action policies. And the cross-sector collaboration comes into picture here because, you know, it might be that individual corporations, they don't have the resources uh, for lobbying or they don't have the ex expertise or connections to do that. Or they might actually want to keep kind of like, you know, arm's length distance to, to everyday politics, so to speak. So they could join these kinds of collaborations, non-governmental organizations that could actually do this kind of lobbying endorse their message that yes we do want this kind of regulations and you know go with them and better still if there are corporations already on board in these kinds of collaborations it can make make it easier for new ones to join you know when they see their peers that okay this is okay for us to to do that there's less risk of, of backlash if, if there are already companies aboard uh, and there might be actually also you know pressure from competitors. So if your competitor is, is joining these kinds of coalitions, then it might make, make sense for you also to, to join and do that as well. Uh, and, and finally, I have to, uh, as, as you had the business hat on, uh, <laughs> may, maybe make sense for some corporations, maybe especially the smaller ones who, who often are, you know, have, they have established by, by one person who has very strong values and uh, regarding uh, responsibility. So it might come quite naturally to try to advocate for policies that would actually make the world a bit better place in, in the sense of, of businesses and human rights. Extremely interesting. So for what you just said, uh, can we conclude that uh, 
Well, our societies are organized in such a way that it allows or maybe even encourage cross-sector collaboration. Can we say that this is the right conclusion or not and why? So. Well, if you're referring to the societal context of Finland, then yes, there are probably possibilities for collaboration for a few reasons. The first one is that, you know, Finland is a very small country. So people who work with these issues, they tend to know each other, for example, in, in the domain of corporate responsibility. So the NGOs and people from corporations, they, they have connections. So that this kind of level of personal interactions is, is important and that can, you know, facilitate this kind of uh, uh, cross-sector engagement when they have experience with one another. Second is that there is uh, there is this kind of like a constant interaction between different sectors in Finland. I think, uh, you know, that does not qualify as collaboration, but it's good to keep in mind. So, for example, NGOs provide feedback to government. Uh, there are hearings on regulations. NGOs write reports on corporations, lobby politicians, and so on. In many events, you can see, you know, panel discussions with corporate representatives, NGOs, politicians all represented. So there's this kind of interaction going on that can provide means of connecting the different actors together, which is, again, uh, the first point about personal connections is, is also related to this. And there might be also some cultural-related reasons in, in Finland, uh, the way the different sectors act is often through quite civilized discourse you know there can be heated debates and, and people disagree uh, but there is there is little these kinds of for example naming and shaming campaigns and that kind of stuff uh, for example as i've uh, as i have understood for example in in france there have been these kinds of uh, you know ngos picks certain corporations as, as targets and, and then you know pour it over them that they're doing something terrible so despite, you know, this kind of a criticism of one another in, in Finland, the, it seems that NGOs and corporations seem to find some common ground. Uh, and it's a good question whether the societal context here in Finland is so specific that it's hard to apply these kinds of findings in, in other countries. Yeah, I was wondering, because we speak now a little bit in the Finland context, and it's completely okay, it's completely fine. Uh, but uh, what about the context of the other countries and even other societies that are not alike to Finland context at all? And in that case, I was wondering what shapes how and between which actors does collaboration take place? Because now we've been discussing between different types of actors, love and hate relationship, but uh, what are how and between which actors in that sense? Uh, well, maybe I, I interpret your question a bit more freely freely in, in the sense that if if, uh, if we think, for example, in, in this domain of political action, mm -hmm. I think the first thing to recognize is that uh, whether it is corporation or NGO, uh, industry association, labor union, all of them are some way related to politics. So they are political in one way or another. So, for example, you know, rather than thinking that uh, corporations are apolitical, it's better to figure out how they actually engage in politics. And the same goes for NGOs, you know, they do lobbying and channeling political issues or channeling certain issues to the political discussions. So, so through this kind of a thinking, you can find where the shared interests might lie. So, and, and that provides the, the, you know, kind of like the, the space for, for these collaborations to emerge. And as I said, uh, 
you you asked uh, how how and which actors well mm-hmm. you know past relations of course are are relevant also uh in terms of who who can and and who, who is you know trusting enough to to join these these collaborations and of course there are these forerunners in every sector so organizations that take um stance on particular issues and and they want to be in the forefront and yeah and and maybe finally some something that it's also good to keep in mind that when we just discussed about the societal context one must also recognize the peculiarities of political systems so for example in in finland we have these so-called coalition governments so we have many different parties in the government which might actually affect how the the lobbying is is done so you know this is different from let's say united states and so forth so so again this is very very uh, context dependent in terms of of how how the collaborative action actually targets for example the political system and that's perhaps what makes it so interesting to explore and do research because if you have a multiple contexts and you need to go into each individually to see how it is done in that particular context then it's a such a big and interesting research topic yeah and often you can kind of like find new phenomena that are related to this this broader idea of cross-sectoral collaboration that exactly. can be then maybe applied in in other contexts not not in full but some certain aspects yeah you can learn certain lessons yeah. from one concept to another and apply it in a maybe some modified version but still like uh, giving yes. the key idea well coming back to the key lessons learned perhaps i would like to still hear more real life examples i am pretty sure you have some <laughs> yeah so but uh let me ask the question uh in a bit different way let's not only talk about the examples but uh bring the point what key lessons have you learned uh let's say maybe three lessons and how they are visible in real life through the lens of the uh, example you want to well, a good real-life example which I have been studying is this uh, Finnish Ykkösketjun campaign um, that lobbied for this HRDD regulation here in Finland some years back. And the coalition behind this this uh, campaign consisted of of number of corporations, NGOs, and labor unions, and and they lobbied for this human rights due diligence uh, regulation. Fantastic example. Let's uh, for sure look into it. Before we do that, can you explain what Ykkösketjun stands for? I hope I pronounced yes. it well. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Uh, well, Ykkösketjun, which is, uh, you know, the name that they chose for this campaign, it means to the first line. So it's a sports metaphor. And in this context, it means that Finland should be in the forefront of corporate responsibility by regulating how how our companies take care of, of human rights impacts. So it's, you know, it's a sports metaphor, very fitting for, for the Finnish context. Uh, but as, as you were asking about these uh, real-life lessons, um, well, the first would be that uh, for any kind of uh, cross-sector collaboration, the goal setting is a focal issue. And I mean this in very specific sense as strategically thinking what kind of goal can connect the different actors. So, for example, in, in this case, rather than trying to set the goal as passing of the actual uh, legislation, the coalition agreed that they would limit their action to getting the issue on government's agenda, which is really important, in Finland at least. Uh, 
and in addition, they agreed on leaving certain specifics of the issue out because they knew that there would be too much debate if they would include these certain specific questions there. So, you know, they were open about what their disagreements were uh, to find out where the actual common ground might lie. So in a way, lim limiting the goal that these cross-sector coalitions strive for can be means of getting things forward because the more comprehensive goal you have, the more there will be these dividing lines and the, the harder it will be to amass organizations behind the cause. So that's, that's the first one. Uh, second, uh, you know, it's not just the goal and its contents, but also the strategic action uh, that this coalition take in lobbying for the goal that matters, uh, well, quite naturally. In cross-sector coalition, one has to be really careful about setting the tone, for example, of the lobbying effort, because the participants come from different sectors and they might have different ideas of what is acceptable. Uh, so, for example, uh, not prioritizing any one political party, but rather trying to, you know, get the whole political um, field uh, to to support this kind of action, and it's it's also important to avoid un unproductive unproductive debate. Sometimes issues become really partisan, uh, so to speak, and and then there is a heated debate, and and uh, that might in some cases hinder uh, of taking these these issues forward. And it might make sense to avoid confrontations in, in, in the public. So, for example, if you think this name, Ykkösketjun, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's very neutral and it doesn't offend anyone. Because sometimes it is thought that, that for, for example, for civil society to get attention, they need to somehow build up, you know, really heated debate and that kind of stuff. But it's not necessarily always so that confrontation is, is beneficial as sometimes this kind of a more neutral approach might actually work. Uh, and actually, you asked—I think you asked for three uh, lessons. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe the it's okay. <laughs> maybe a third one uh, would be kind of like related to these these um, relations, uh, previous relations between different organizations. Uh, I think it's important to to understand their their. Um, how meaningful they are in the sense that even though you might be from different sectors and you might not be, you know, the best buddies of, of all time, but but you do share some common ground. So maintaining working relations is is important in trying to build up these these uh, cross-sector uh, coalitions. That's a really good point. I like how you said it. Like not best buddies, perhaps, but still keeping the work relationship. Yeah. So, and it's also from uh, what you're saying. It really clearly says that the cross-sector collaboration is needed for transformative sustainability action. And uh, I think your last point could already count as a recommendation what our listeners uh, can take away from our discussions. Would you have any other that our listeners can like write down for themselves and maybe take into use right away after our discussion or think about it to uh, make our societies more sustainable through cross-sector collaboration? Yeah, well, maybe uh, maybe I could elaborate a bit of the the point about maintain maintaining these working relations. So you know, we're often we are encouraged to network and and do that kind of stuff. So, and and which is important, but it's also important, uh, you know, trying to 
uh, trying to keep the relations. Perhaps you don't have the strategic purpose on your mind at the moment, but that might become relevant in the future. So by just, you know, keeping keeping in touch and, and uh, maintaining, especially with actors from other other sectors, might be springboard for, for this kind of future action. So that's just as a, an addition. And maybe a second point that generally, uh, you know, examining these kind of uh, issues of, of uh, political action by, by these kinds of uh, coalitions. I think it makes sense for corporations to reflect on what they're doing in terms of their societal or environmental responsibilities and think about how they might actually benefit from trying to get others to do the same, meaning that there might be this kind of untapped potential in leveling up the field, so to speak. And I think if, if you know, if something... I, w I want to state kind of critically this that we are still a bit too locked in the idea that sustainability and responsibility can can provide competitive advantage advantage that's you know after that's that's the way how it is argued for in, in certain discussions but I think it would make sense to think that for example human rights are so important that they really cannot be left for markets to decide on you know if you have competitive advantage in the markets uh, uh, then you usually you're doing good but is you know i don't think that's the only reason that you can argue for in, in taking care of uh, human rights and, and that's why there should be more you know, discussion on, on finding common solutions like regulation that would concern all the, uh, for example, businesses in the field. Yes, yes. Me wearing a business hat in the beginning. I absolutely agree with you with what you're saying regarding that. So really good recommendations and takeaways. I think our listeners will definitely appreciate those. Thank you very much, Visa. I think now it's a good time to conclude our discussion. And uh, I'm so thankful that you were able to come here and share your knowledge on this area. And I also encourage our listeners to go back to the book chapter that you've written and uh, dive even more into the examples that you brought over there about cross-sector collaboration. And uh, I believe that establishing the partnership between the actors from different sectors is not an easy job at all, as we heard from this discussion as well. There are certain risks and things to consider. And uh, there are differences in how actors operate, what kind of goals they have and interests, and of course, areas of influence and what kind of power they have. However, as this topic is brought up in the research, and we can learn from the positive examples, no matter if they are from different contexts, like Finland or United States, as we heard today, well, it seems like there are some organizations that make it happen. And uh, I personally strongly believe that it might become a common positive practice, maybe someday, and a more sustainable way of organizing together through cross-sector partnership. Okay, so at this point, we thank our listeners for staying with us today for this episode. By the microphone was Anna, your host for this season, and we hope you stay tuned for more of our episodes at Sustainability Unwrapped. Thank you all. Thank you.